0: Let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. I hope that this morning we will not forget, but remember the verse I opened with a while ago. I'll read it to you one more time. Maybe another time before the day is over. It is good that thou shouldest take hold of this. Yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand, for he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. And Joseph came forth of them all. He came forth of all that were in Egypt, and he came forth of his own father's house. He received the birthright, though born eleventh. Reuben did not get the birthright for sleeping with his father's wife. Joseph got the birthright. And what was the birthright? Two tribes of Israel. Praise the Lord. Two tribes of Israel. His two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Because remember, Levi was pulled out to be the servants of the Lord. And so the two sons of Joseph filled in. And he outdid Reuben. You know, it's a little it's a little ways ahead of us. But if you want to cheat, you can read ahead to Genesis chapter 49 and see Jacob on his deathbed, working his way down through his sons from oldest to youngest, See what he has to say about Joseph. Praise the Lord. They that fear the Lord shall come forth of them all. Every young person here. And I don't want to appeal to your flesh, but I want to appeal to your spirit. Do you want to come forth of them all? Do you want to be the bright and shining star of your family? Do you want to be the bright and shining star of this church? Then fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. You'll overcome them all. And you'll shine brighter than them all. And let us let us earnestly covet such things. And if we're going to emulate it all, let's emulate each other in the fear of the Lord. And see who's going to fear the Lord the most. Genesis chapter 39. We learn from James chapter 5, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Joseph endured, and we definitely count him a happy man for all that the Lord did in his life. Joseph is in the hall of faith as one of God's illustrious elders of the Old Testament. And he obtained that position and place by his faith. For by it, that is by faith, the elders obtained a good report. This is a report card far more important than any report card you can get from school. This is a report card far more important than any review and promotion you can get in the job. Amen. Do you have great faith? Do you believe that God is and that He is a rewarder to the extent that you will diligently seek Him? Joseph was such a man. This is one of the great persons of history. One of the greatest persons of history is Joseph. We're still talking about him today. 3,500 years after he was born. His peers are forgotten. They've been consumed by worms. In the dust and dirt of Egypt, his bones were taken to the promised land and his soul was taken to heaven. Here's one of the great persons of history that we want to be like. He is recorded in the Bible, not to fill up pages, but to give us a cause and an illustration for us to fear the Lord, for us to be faithful as he was. Look at his political accomplishments. He took care of Egypt for 14 years. Pharaoh said, unless I am sitting in my throne, you rule this nation. You do whatever it takes in the year, the seven years of plenty, and you save us in the seven years of famine. For fourteen years, there was a political situation in the world where the greatest nation had a slave as their ruler. Praise the Lord. What drama. You want drama in a man's life to make him important? There's no drama greater than the last 14 chapters of Genesis. Other than the drama of our Lord Jesus Christ coming for us. You know, when I say that, you know what I mean. But the drama of Joseph on that throne and his relationship with his brothers and his father is precious indeed. And then we look at his character and we see a man that was so consistently honest, faithful, diligent to all that had been entrusted to his care. And what a promotion. From slave to ruler in one day by the grace of God. We've looked at a number of his character traits. At the age of 17, he reported the evil conduct of his brothers to his father because he was a courageous, righteous son who honored authority and didn't care one bit about peer pressure. At the age of 17, he was loved more by his father than the other children, but he did not let that situation lead him to be a spoiled whiner. Here am I, he said to his father. He would do anything his father asked him to do. At the age of 17, he didn't care about the fads of the world. He wore the coat of many colors his father had made him. There was a point that I forgot to make on this particular character trait. This showed that Joseph was courageous to wear a very peculiar coat out in public. It showed that he honored his father and he didn't care about what his brothers, his older brothers, ten of them, thought about what he was doing. He was going to do it to honor his dad. When I was 17 years old, there was a thing in our country called the generation gap. The generation gap. What that meant was, That all the men at home that were going off to work, if they were white collar, they were white collar. You didn't wear all these goofy pajama shirts that men wear today. Forgive me. See, there's a generation gap again. They went off to work with a white shirt and a tie on. They had short hair. They all looked like state troopers. And their kids went out of the door with hair hanging down their back like Susie. In ratty, holy, army fatigues they bought from the army surplus store. They looked like trash. They were smoking dope on the way to school, on the way home from school, and in schools like the one I went to during school. There was a generation gap. The fathers couldn't understand while they let the kids sit in their room and listen to that new music that had come from hell and then wonder why they all wanted to look like girls and wear terrible clothing. That happened in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. I was part of that. Some of you were part of that. There was a generation gap. And there was a generation gap because fathers didn't force their sons to be like them. Fathers gave up and let music into their homes and other influences that destroyed the youth of our nation. How old was Joseph when he wore his coat of many colors given to him by his father? He was 17. How old was his father? 108, brethren. 108 years old. Now that's a generation gap. But Joseph still wore his father's coat. Are there any Josephs in here? We had a generation that tried to destroy our country. They rebelled at school. They rebelled against the military. They made fun of our soldiers who were off giving their lives to defend this country so that they could have the liberty to be idiots. But there was a young man in the Bible at 17 years of age who wasn't anything like them. And I'm hoping that there are young men and young women who don't want to be anything like the children of this world who will do what their fathers say even if it involves their clothing. You say clothing is so personal. That's right. It's personal. But so what? It's nothing. If your father says he wants you to wear something, wear it. Wear it cheerfully. The Lord will see and the Lord will bless you. That's a man that fears the Lord because he's honoring his parents. Enough on that, I thought you would enjoy the, the generation gap of 81 years. <laughs> Isn't that precious? He was 108 years old, and he still told his son, but the precious thing is, the son was willing to do it. And you know, the son knew that his brothers hated that coat of many colors, but we saw that when he went the 60 miles to visit his brethren in Shechem, he wore the coat of many colors all the way there. Right. You know, they had to put sunglasses on as he approached. Can't you read that in the Bible? They saw him while he was yet afar off, that coat of many colors, wandering through the brown of Canaan until he found his brothers. He was not ashamed of that coat, and he didn't care what consequences it had. His father loved him, his father wanted to wear it, wanted him to wear it, and so he wore it. What a lesson for us. We saw that his brothers hated him because Jacob loved him, but he didn't compromise to win their favor and approval. He showed his contentment, his conviction, his courage, and his resolve. He was going to be faithful to his dad no matter what his brothers said or did. At 17, God gave him some truth about the future. And he wasn't ashamed of that truth. He went out and told his brothers, Brothers, the Lord spoke to me last night. I had a dream. The dream is that you're all going to bow down and worship me. Now he knew that wasn't going to win a whole lot of favors from them. But he said it anyway. Because he had conviction about the truth of God. None of you young people should be afraid of the God of heaven. The God of heaven and the Bible are the two most valuable, precious, glorious things in the universe. Why is it that we're ashamed to speak of those two things among your peers? Isn't that incredible? you know what that tells you? We have very depraved hearts. If we are ashamed to speak of God and the Bible, or His Son, Jesus Christ... Anywhere, why are you ashamed of those three things? Those are the most glorious three things there are? Because we are so depraved. But Joseph rose up above that. He didn't care. This is what the Lord told me in a dream last night, and we all know that that dream came through, came true. When Jacob sent Joseph to his brothers far away, he cheerfully went. Here am I. He didn't fall back and beg his father to, to let him out of that task because he was the favored son. Because there was risk in the trip and because there were 11 brothers at the other, 10 brothers at the other end who hated him. He said, here am I. And that's how all of you should respond to your father no matter what he says. And you should make it easy for your father to ask you to do things by letting him know. Maybe you could go home today and tell him, father, if there's anything you want me to be doing differently than I'm doing, tell me. Because I'll do it. Here am I. You think you can lose doing that? You will win. Remember, the man that feareth the Lord shall come forth of them all. And Joseph did. At 17, he fulfilled his mission, even though he had to go 10 miles further to Dothan. I hope you remember. At the age of 20, now that's my guess. Doesn't matter what age, we don't know for sure. But at the age of 20, Joseph served Potiphar very faithfully. We know that he was 30 when he stood before Pharaoh. We know that he was two years left in prison because of a unkind butler. We know that he was 17 when he was taken by his brothers. And so we just make a guess at what he might have been when he was working for Potiphar. But he worked very faithfully. He didn't pine and whine that slavery wasn't fair and that he'd been mistreated and his brothers had thrown him and sold him and bound him and punished him and he was far away and he didn't give up and complain. He worked. And he worked diligently. And he worked faithfully. He'd been purchased. It was an ordinary transaction of that day. And he was going to serve his master and serve his master well. And he did it. And when you do that, the Lord's going to be with you. Because the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And Joseph was righteous. Joseph served Potiphar fairly. Potiphar put everything into his hands because he saw that he had the touch of not Midas. There is no such man. The touch of Midas is a fairy tale. He had the touch of Joseph. Right. Potiphar put everything into Joseph's hands because of the touch of Joseph, which was the hand of God upon him. Everything Joseph did prospered. It prospered so much that Potiphar did not want to know anything about his assets, income statement, or anything else. Just feed me every day. Just let me come home from work and have something there on my plate. And I'm going to leave the rest up with you because everything Joseph did prospered. What a wonderful story. We we, we considered that one last week. There's, there's no such thing as discrimination because Joseph had every reason against him for success. When you're as faithful as Joseph and the Lord blesses your effort, Joseph advanced in spite of his race, his age, his language, his training, his resume, his origin. The Egyptians hated the Hebrews the egyptians despised shepherds he was a young pup he'd been bought as a slave none of that mattered because he worked faithfully and diligently and the lord prospered him and we look we considered that and how solomon gave us so many rules about that and i hope that all of you young men went off to work last week and worked diligently and you older men and that we all worked diligently this past week and put our trust in the lord to bless the effort Now let's come to Genesis chapter 39 and the last sentence of verse 6. We had worked our way down through the first sentence of verse 6, but there is another sentence in verse 6 which brings us to another character trait of this man, Joseph. Genesis 39, 6 and the last sentence. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. What this tells us about Joseph is, He was a looker. He was a handsome young man. He was a very good-looking young man. Remember his mother. What was her name? Rachel. When Jacob found Rachel, it says that Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored of the Lord. This is Joseph. He was a goodly person and well-favored. It's describing his appearance. He was blessed like David was blessed. He was blessed like Absalom was blessed. To be very good looking men. And the Bible wants us to take note of that in this little sentence that is stuck at the end of verse 6 in our King James Bibles. But let's think about it for a moment. Joseph was extremely handsome and successful. Well favored by the Lord in his physical features. He already has all of Potiphar's estate under his control. But notice his humility and service anyway. This man did not alter his behavior because of his success or because of his looks. You know, we have learned in our lives that most people, often, a good-looking person is haughty because they think they deserve better treatment because of that. Joseph was not like that. Men of weak character are corrupted By any superior advantage that is given to them. You may have heard the political expression that power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. But Joseph had looks. And he had all of Potiphar's estate. And it did not corrupt him. It did not alter his behavior. He still was a humble servant. And he served his master anyway. His beauty... Did not cause ambition, arrogance, or haughtiness. He was not above any assignment. All it says about him in those first six verses, he served Potiphar. He served him. He was willing to be a servant, even though he was such a good looking young man. Superior ability or other advantages do not alter the character of a godly man. It does not matter whether he is of higher intelligence, it does not matter whether he has. Better coordination is more gifted athletically. It does not matter whether he looks better. Those things do not alter a man with character. He does not care about those things. All he does is fear the Lord and want to please the Lord and those under whom he serves. And so this is another character trait of Joseph that though he was blessed by God in this manner, well favored from the Lord, he did not let that affect how he was going to live. We come to verses 7 through 12. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. I hope you appreciate the last sentence of verse 6 now. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife behold my master watteth not what is with me in the house and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand there is none greater in this house than i neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife how then can i do this great wickedness and sin against god let's stop there for a moment Let's say Joseph is 25 years old now. We don't know. He's somewhere between 20 and 28. Mrs. Potiphar tries to seduce him. I had four men read to you today four wonderful passages of Scripture that tell us about what faithful men do. Remember in Proverbs chapter 6, we had read to us the warning of Solomon to his son about the strange woman and how the strange woman could destroy him if he ever touched her or took her into his bosom. In chapter 7, Solomon had a lengthy proverb that we would call a parable describing a young man being seduced by such a strange woman. He doesn't know that it's for his life and it's going to destroy him. Then in Job chapter 31, we had Job the married man explaining his integrity before God, that he had made a covenant with his eyes that he would not think upon a maid. And what a heinous sin adultery would be. And that if he were ever to consider such a thing or lay wait at his neighbor's door, that the Lord should judge him with the same treatment of his own wife. And then we had 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where the Apostle Paul laid out what the will of God is for our lives. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. You want to know what God's will is for your life? It's to abstain from fornication, uncleanness, and all sexual compromise. It's one of the greatest sins that tempt men, but that doesn't mean we can't overcome it by the strength of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the warning of God's Word. And we have Joseph right here to encourage us in the task. Solomon gave us rules. Joseph gives us life to those rules by showing us that it can be done. What a young man Joseph was. You want to test your fear of the Lord? Do you want to come forth of them all? Then hate sexual compromise. Don't fantasize. Even in your minds or your hearts. We had read to us, lust not after her beauty in thine heart. That is adultery of the heart. Jesus said it was adultery of the heart. Don't even start in your heart. Don't talk about it with others because that will help break down your inhibitions. Don't do that. Don't look on anything. Stay away from them. Stay away from pornography. Stay away from anything that would tempt you to lust after her in your heart or to compromise sexually. (coughs) We say that Samson was the strongest man in the Bible. I say Joseph was the strongest man and Samson was one of the weakest. Don't you agree? Though he made it to Hebrews 11... He got in by the skin of his teeth and with the mercy of God, if you know what I mean. We love David. But Joseph was a better man than David in this measure. You know, the things we read about David, and I do not mean this lightly because you know I love David, I don't think Mrs. Potiphar would have had to ask in comparison to Joseph. The night that David committed adultery, he had a whole palace full of women. God had made him king of the whole land. God told him, if those women that I gave you weren't enough, I'd have given you any such woman that you wanted as long as you wouldn't touch the wife of another man. Joseph is a great hero for all of us. How far away from home was he? A few hundred miles? A few hundred miles. Had he seen anyone from home in a while? No. He was alone in a foreign land that didn't have all the morality his father had taught him. (coughs) He was young. Was he full of testosterone? I don't care about what you want to say about being horny. Horny doesn't mean you have to sin. Horny just means you better be putting forth some effort to resist sin in that part of your life. If you relax, you will default to sin as a young man. So you have to take precautions and go out of your way to avoid that sin. Was Joseph at the age of being horny? Was Joseph far away from home where no one could catch him? What's the other thing that keeps men from committing adultery or fornication? A willing partner. Did he have a willing partner? She was begging him. And what What does it say he did? But he refused. Amen. Look at that verse 8. But he refused. Praise the God of heaven. Amen. This is greater than Samson. This is greater than Samson. I don't care what you want to tell me about Samson. Catching 300 foxes is easy. Put me in the woods for a couple of hours. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Somebody better bring a truck with 300 of them. But, you know, we read about Samson and it's nothing. Catching foxes. David killing Goliath. So what? Joseph saying, no way! No way! To a woman that wanted to make love to him. Did you hear the strange woman in Proverbs chapter 7? Come, let us take our fill of loves until the morning. There isn't one ounce of love in that woman. You just wait until Mrs. Potiphar has her revenge on Joseph. Hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned, is a statement of our nation. Don't you ever listen to the word L-O-V-E from anyone other than a God-fearing spouse or someone who is about to become your spouse because they have parental permission from both sides to use that word. You do not have a right to use that word until you have permission from your parents to use that word. Because until then, it isn't love, it's lust. Love is based entirely upon God's Word and parental approval. It is not love. When that woman said, come, let let us take our fill of love until the morning. There was no love in that. There was lust. He did not know that under those sheets was death and hell. Four times in the book of Proverbs we are told that hidden, out of the sight of the young man that wanders in there blinded by testosterone and her invitation, death and hell are hiding under her skirt, under the sheet, behind the curtain, death and hell are hiding. Look what it did to Samson. David suffered the rest of his life. Look what it did to Adam. Look what it did to Judah. Look what it did to Reuben. Don't talk to me about love. Love is not a feeling of lust. Love is the sacrificial desire for another person that you want to help them grow in favor with God and men and you will do everything in your power to help them live a life pleasing to God. And that you will forgive them and overlook all their little faults and never get upset at them. But you will in mercy show kindness to them and bear with them in their troubles. And you will never delight in any iniquity in their life, but only help them to live in the truth. That's love. That's love. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. It doesn't even last that long, folks. All men know And all wise women know. That kind of love only lasts a few seconds. Sorry if I'm too plain, but I am pretty discreet in my language. It only lasts a few seconds. A man will say, I love you, I love you, for a year to get a girl to let down her guard. And in three seconds, he doesn't love her anymore. And so they have to make up songs Will he still love me tomorrow? Ever heard that one? That comes from that same dissolute generation that we had 40 years ago. Do you know why they need to ask, Will he still love me tomorrow? Do we know the answer to that question from the Bible? Amnon and Tamar. As soon as he had his three seconds of pleasure, he had three years of torment. Three seconds of pleasure and then he hated her worse than the love he ever felt toward her because it wasn't love. It was lust. And lust doesn't last as soon as it's had what lust wanted to have. Yeah, right. Right. Amen. I tell you the truth. Amen. His master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. What does the Bible tell us that, about sin? It says there are three kinds or three categories of sin in the world. The lust of the flesh, The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. She was under the influence of the lust of the eyes. She saw one handsome young man in her house. Because verse 6 had already told us about his looks. Would it have been a reward for his ego to have taken down his master's wife? I love Joseph. Did he have the lust of the flesh? He was a burning young man. I love Joseph. Do you love him with me? Amen. Do you think she was a dog? Do you think the captain of Pharaoh's guard had married a dog? I don't think so. Did she have the means to go to the tanning bed and get her nails done? So he had the lust of the eye. I mean, i got to... Isn't that fair to say that she probably looked pretty good? You know, she had time to work out all the time because Joseph was doing all the work. But do you know what? We have a hero. We have a hero. He didn't catch 300 foxes. Who cares about foxes? He denied one fox that said, Go to bed with me. Right. And that is a real man. I want you to love Joseph. This is why we're going through Joseph. And I didn't plan today's timing Because there's a God in heaven that plans all those things for me. I am nothing. I am too stupid to ever plan anything like that. I have no knowledge of anything going on until it happens. He knows the end from the beginning. And I bless and praise His holy name. And I hope every one of you here are trembling in your hearts that there's a God that knows all things and takes care of all details. Because we have Genesis chapter 39 verse 7 before us right now. And we have verse 8 where it says, But He refused. Praise the God of heaven that he refused. He had a willing partner. He was in a situation far away from home and he was a young man. There was no one he was accountable to. He could have snuck a taste, a taste of pleasure. But he refused. And he said unto his master's wife, now I want you to notice two things about his response. First of all, he said, I have been entrusted. I have trust. There are people trusting me. I have had things assigned to me. I know where the lines have been drawn. If a woman is married, she has a husband. And that means you do not lay wait at your neighbor's door for his wife. Because you think about the man. If she is not married, you think about her father. That man has invested 15, 17, 20, 25 years into his daughter. He loves his little daughter. God gave her to him as a virgin and he is seeking to to save her as a virgin. Therefore, you are entrusted with that girl when you take her on a date or any activity. You know how I'm using the word in our church. Whenever you are allowed, any time, conversation with a girl, you are dealing with her father. Because he has trusted you to talk to his daughter. Or to have some activity with his daughter. That is the trust that he's put into your hands. And you better be faithful to that man. Think higher than just the girl. Because what if the girl is willing? Then any thoughts in that direction are taken out of the way. But the father isn't going to be willing, and neither is the husband. So always be thinking about the men involved with any woman. Look at what he said. He said unto his master's wife, Behold, listen to me, woman. My master wadeth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. My master does not ask me what I do from eight to five. He does not know what I do from eight to five. But he has given me everything that he owns to take care of. There is none greater in the house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How can I commit this great wickedness? I have a master. Now listen, he's, I have a master on earth first. Not most important, but he's saying this first to her. He argues in the proper order with a woman of this world. I have a master. He's your husband. You are his possession, the only possession he has that he hasn't given me. I am a slave that he has promoted. He's put everything into my control. He trusts me with all of his assets. How in the world can I take that degree of trust and turn it against him and take his wife? How could I commit such a great wickedness when a man has been so good to me as to let me talk to his daughter? I hope you know what I mean. If I had more time, I would walk up and down the aisle and look at each of you that this applies to. I'll get you eventually anyway. Amen. Bo- hey, I'm nothing. All I am is a servant wanting you to be like Joseph. Do you know how much I wish I could go back to 17? Oh, I'd go back before that, forgive me, but I'd need to go back before 17. If I could go back and be a 10-year-old again, a 12-year-old again, a 13-year-old again. And then I could purpose to be like Joseph. Because I had to go off and participate because my parents didn't have another alternative for me and go to those schools with those dope-smoking idiots of my generation that were listening to all that devilish music, and it corrupted my soul. Austin. Daniel. Michael. Do not let them corrupt you. Be like Joseph from the Bible. I wish I could go back and be your age. Since I can't, I have I have a holy ambition for all of you. Be greater than your pastor. Far greater in the sight of God and men. The first thing you can do to defeat this sin whenever there's a person is think about the man in their lives and who has trusted you. We have sisters in this church And if you're allowed to stand and talk to them in this church, it's because their husbands have trusted you that you can talk to their wife and all it's going to be is godly conversation for a few minutes and then you're going to break it off. And husbands, don't be any more trusting than that. Because sin being what it is, it will rear its ugly head in all sorts of places, especially in this matter. Young men, when you're allowed to talk to a girl, you make sure you're talking to her in a way that if her father was standing right there, he would smile and glow with what you're saying to that girl. He would say, oh, there's, a, there's the next man in her life that's going to take care of her, and maybe even better than I have. And Let's, let's make the transfer. Your choice. Notice his first argument. This man has trusted me with everything that he's got. He's promoted me. He's given me these privileges and liberties. How in the world could I commit such a wicked act by taking advantage of this man who has treated me so well, it would be wickedness. He's given me everything else to deal with. He doesn't ask me to be accountable for my time. He's assigned me his whole estate. One thing he's kept back, because you are his wife. There is no way I would do this to Potiphar. Oh, I hope hers, you know what? Her soul should have driveled up like a grape in the sun. But it didn't, did it? Because she was a wicked woman. That rebuke should have crushed her. But she kept hounding him day after day, as we know from the following verses. But then, brethren, he said something else to her, and he was not ashamed of his God. He was 20-some years old, and he was speaking to a pagan woman who was begging him to make love to her. Did he use some cheap excuse of the timid? Well, I don't have time right now. I don't have time right now because i got to finish my tasks. He said, there's a God in heaven, and how could I commit this evil against God? Can you reduce it to that? Why cheat? Why be a sissy? Why back out with some other false excuse? Just say it the way it is. How can I sin against God? God has said, thou shalt not commit adultery. God has said, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. God has said it. Solomon wrote it for the Lord. Job wrote it for the Lord. God has said it. How can I do it and sin against God? This would be a sin against God. We must boil everything in our lives down to either it is sin or it is not sin. And if it's sin, we don't do it. And we tell those who are trying to get us to do it, I can't do it because it's sin. That's the second stage of attack with a wicked woman. The first was, how could we do something so wicked? How could I do something so wicked against a man trusting me? Second, God has said that's a sin. We must constantly talk about these things. We do not hate sin like we should. I am sorry for not doing a better job last evening in communicating that. I have had a miserable night. God hates sin. He drowned this entire world because of sin. And He will drop men into an everlasting hell because of sin. Into the lake of fire which is the second death. We have a holy God. He is thrice holy. He is of pure eyes and to ever look and approve. He doesn't care about your words. He doesn't care about your feelings. It is sin against God. There's only one person that you can ever go to bed with. And that is the person you have married. And you can only marry someone who fears the Lord and your parents have approved of. And that's it. And that's the only way you'll be happy and have pleasures that last. The pleasures of sin are for a season. And all those who have honest hearts and who have played in that foolish area of life called sin know exactly what I'm saying is true. There's only one way to be happy and it's to do it God's way. God hates sin. He hates fornication. He hates uncleanness. He hates adultery. He hates sexually playing around with someone you don't have a right with because you're violating a man. You're violating either a husband or you're violating a father. And then he hates it because it is wrong. He made those laws about sex and marriage to protect the pleasure of marriage. You cannot add to the pleasure of marriage by following this generation's ideas. Look at their lives. Can't you figure it out? Without even turning to the Bible, can't you figure it out? Their lives are miserable. The ones that play around the most are the most unhappy. And then the Bible tells us it's wrong because He's defending the pleasures of marriage. God knows more about pleasure than you will ever figure out. There's no ten books written on marital or sexual pleasure that can ever come close to the God of heaven. Just remember, anything you ever see or notice about a woman that gets your mind interested, God made that. God made it. Oh, there's nothing wrong with recognizing that one girl is beautiful and one isn't quite as beautiful and all those things. That isn't sin. It's desiring her in your heart. That's the sin. Coveting her in your heart. Thinking about what you can do to get her without God's ordinary and proper way of having her. God made her. God knows more about it than you'll ever read or figure out yourself. You can just spend the rest of your life plumbing its depths to see if you can get up to God's level of knowledge. God is wonderful. Amen. He made it beautiful. He made everything beautiful in its own time and place and season. And the season for marital pleasure is in marriage. Right. Sexual pleasure is in marriage to someone that fears the Lord. A woman that fears the Lord is going to be the best lover by definition if she truly fears the Lord. Because she's going to give herself to you with a heart and soul and full body like no other woman ever could. No other woman ever would. Those selfish little... Those selfish women like Mrs. Potiphar can never touch a woman that fears the Lord. If you fear the Lord and your wife fears the Lord, you two together fear the Lord and love the Lord and walk with Him, and have Jesus Christ as your portion in life, you will have the greatest portion, not only in heaven above, but on this planet. Those of us who are old enough know that to the degree we don't have the pleasures in this life that we desire, it's because we are not walking with God as we should. To the degree we compromise that relationship, we lose any relationship down here. Joseph was a great-looking guy. But far more than that, Joseph had character of rock, stone, but he refused. And he said, how in the world could I treat my master this way? This is sin against the God of heaven. I don't care about your gods, but I have a God that has commanded me not to do this. This would be sin against God, and he would not do it. Praise the Lord for Joseph. Are there some Josephs in here? Do you really want to show your fear of the Lord and your faithfulness and your greatness? then rule yourself sexually. Amen. Did you hear the will of God in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? The will of God is your sanctification, and that isn't some vague, bland theological word. He explains it for you that you should abstain from fornication. Fornication here, fornication here, fornication in your flesh. Fornication of all sorts. Get rid of it all. You want to be a great man in the sight of God? Do you want real courage? You know, the ones that are sneaking around, taking a peek at things they shouldn't be looking at, they always live in fear and they're little wimps. Do you want to be a real man? Then live like a real man. We'll give you a real woman and see what you can do. And I say that with all holy respect for women and marriage. But don't you be some little sneaking pervert. Cut all of that out and be a Joseph. Cut all of it out and fear the Lord. Cut all of it out and commit yourself to the Word of God. Be faithful. To those that have trusted you, to even speak to their wives or their daughters. Be faithful to the God of heaven. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.